Welcome back to the Alternative Travelers podcast. This episode kicks off our house-sitting stories series, where we'll share some of our most memorable house-sitting experiences. We'll talk about our first ever house-sit, why Salt Lake City is such an important place for us, and how this experience set the standard for all our future house-sits. Welcome to the Alternative Travelers Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Varen. In each episode, we'll share stories, tips, and advice to help you live a life of unconventional travel. For more, head to alternativetravelers.com. And now, let's get to the episode. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Alternative Travelers podcast. So this episode is kicking off a series we're going to do of house-sitting stories. So we've had a lot of house-sitting experiences, obviously, and we thought it would be very fun to just share our stories with you over different episodes. So in this episode, we're going to be sharing our very first house-sitting experience. But before we get into that, we just want to talk very briefly about what our current situation looks like, because it's been a bit since we kind of mentioned that. So I know as things start to open up, people want to know what's going on in different parts of the world. So we wanted to share what our situation's looking like, which is, what is it looking like, Varen? Well, I would say for most of us in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is where we currently are, um, we ended up here after a house sit because once the house sit was about coming to an end, this is when all the pandemic and shelter in place, stay at home ordinances came into place. And so we're still here renting out an Airbnb below the original house sit that we had. So nowadays things look pretty much the same. However, the state government has decided to move from this red phase to a orange phase, so a soft reopening of things of, of a sort. And for the most part, like I said, it doesn't really look that different for us. Sam and I are going to wait till we have the hard data and statistics to show that we can confidently be safe being in a restaurant, for example, we don't feel that 100% yet. We want to see what the numbers are after this opening for a little bit. So with certain restrictions in place, certain businesses can reopen and have half capacity, for example, like a restaurant. And uh, tattoo shops and hair salons are appointment only, no walk-ins, and they have to take all these extra precautions, this, that, and this uh, third. And for the most part, I think people here are taking things pretty seriously. So day-to-day doesn't look that different other than the weirdness of seeing people eat somewhere, even though that shouldn't be weird. I remember Sam mentioning that feeling. Yeah, because going to the park, we have a park like 10 minutes away, which is really amazing. Big park. And... I was coming back there from the other day and there was people sitting at this 
pizza restaurant and they're sitting inside and it was like so strange. It's weird how that's become weird within just a couple months. I mean, obviously, like we love eating out. We would love nothing more than to go eat in a restaurant and just feel normal. But like Varen said, we just don't feel 100% uh, that there's not going to be an increase in cases after this and stuff. So we just kind of trying to play it safe. We can still operate fairly normally. Um, and we go for some takeout every Saturday and we're just doing our thing mostly. I mean, we work from home anyway, so we've been doing that. Been focusing on this podcast, which has been very fun and it's been great getting feedback. So thank you guys who've, who've given us great, um, great feedback. And yeah, I think that's more or less it. It's getting warmer, so that's nice. We go for long walks every Saturday, and that's pretty much where we are now. We're monitoring things closely to kind of see what our next move will be, but for now we're pretty much in a holding pattern, and we're looking at house-sitting trends. We're seeing some, some start to pop up for like late summer, but really not much. So like we talked about in a previous episode, that state of house sitting 2020, we, we have a whole episode on that. So if you're interested on in our thoughts on the whole situation as a whole, definitely check that out. And yeah, so that's more or less what things are looking like at the moment for us. Yeah. So I think, you know, now that you mentioned house sitting. Yeah. That... So we thought we would dial it back. We're going down memory lane with these house sitting stories it's been really fun, and, and I know you guys have said that you like hearing stories, so we thought it'd be fun to start this this little series of house-sitting stories. So we're going to start way back at the very beginning, which was our first house-sit that we got through a house-sitting platform. Um, like we've mentioned before, we use Trusted House-Sitters. That's the one we use. It's the biggest one. We have a discount code for you guys, which we'll link in the show notes. But we get that question all the time, so I just want to put it out. That's what we use. So, yeah, what kind of give us the lowdown on our first house at Farron? So we need to take you back to 2016. Well, maybe even before that, but officially it started in 2016. But that previous October of 2015, we had really gone full throttle in our search for house sits and to hear more about that story and how we got into housing in the first place check back at one of our earlier episodes which we will link in the show notes but just so you know we had a whole plan in place and we were looking for a long-term house sit somewhere and that's when we happened upon a three-month house sit for the rest of winter roughly in February of 2016 for about three months it was for a cat named Nimble Wimbles, um, short Nimbles. No, Nimbly Wimbly was his full given name, oh, okay. and Nimbles was his nickname. Okay. Get it right, Baron. Okay, I stand corrected. <laughs> Nimbly I loved Wim Nimbly way more than you. I liked Nimbly at times. Sometimes I didn't like him, and we'll get to that later. But the main thing was that we were trying to trial run house-sitting 
and we wanted something long-term to kind of help give us a little escape from New York City, where we were living at the time, and, you know, give a little space, let us collect our thoughts, and figure out some moves we wanted to make in the not-too-distant future, and we, we felt that house-sitting was going to be a very helpful strategy going forward for some of our uh, long-term goals at the time. Yeah, so we had reached out to the guy that who had posted the house set. We arranged a time to Skype. We Skyped with him on January 1st, 2016, so I love that. It's like very symbolic, new year, new beginnings. And yeah, we Skyped with him, and we connected immediately. And so we, yeah, agreed to the house set. Six weeks later, we arrived in... Salt Lake City, all of our friends and family in New York were like, where are you going? <laughs> Salt Lake? Like, isn't that where Mormons live? Like, what's happening? To, yeah, but, so we arrived in Salt Lake City at the airport, and the guy we were house-sitting for, Keith, came and picked us up at the airport, and I just still have this, like, vision of him like, looking super cool with his jacket, like, um, leaning up against his car, which was a Tesla, and we had never seen a Tesla before. I mean, maybe once or something, but not a common thing, and we've since learned and seen that Teslas and electric vehicles in general are just way higher proportion in Utah than like anywhere else we've seen because of some of their tax breaks for electric vehicles, which is awesome. But at the time we were like, whoa, Tesla, <laughs> that's really unique and cool. Yeah. I remember the, uh, door handles there. They look flat. You see just the doors and the handles and all of a sudden slowly these little door handles come out. And yes, wow, what a big deal, little door handles, but you don't really see that on other cars. And it just made the car feel more like its own self-aware machine. And on top of that, later when Keith was driving us around and he had a friend of his in the passenger seat, he was like, oh, you guys want to see it do self-driving? And I just remember his passenger his friend just being like no 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 I don't want to do this and Keith does it anyways and you see it make right you see it make lefts and do it completely on its own it was really impressive you could see a little screen that was telling you how well it was able to read the road and a lot of times uh, what it relies on are the big white lines on either side of the road so just you know put that all together as our first experience with a Tesla with this man in Salt Lake City the first time we've ever been there and it was definitely uh, quite a memory. Made an impression. Yeah. And then, like, in the car ride on the way back from the airport, what did he ask us, Baron? Oh, yeah. He goes, you know, are you guys... He, I remember him. He's looking at the rearview mirror at us in the back. And he's like, are you guys vegan? And we hadn't said anything about that. He just kind of guessed it. He had this look in his face. Like, like he kind of knew. And we're like, yeah, why? And he's like, my friends have been giving me so much shit because I recently started eating vegan. And they're like, they're not going to want to eat your vegan shit. What are you, why are you even bothering with this? And then it turns out that he decided he wanted to make us a five-course meal to show us how appreciative he was of what we were going to provide as house sitters, which was a great, incredible meal. And he even 
stocked the uh, cabinets because he knew we cooked with tons of fresh spices and everything. So that was a very ser- serendipitous moment. Yeah, well, like he says, he's like, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in synchronicity, which is like, I think it's like Carl Jung's idea of that there basically are no coincidences kind of thing. I don't know the whole philosophy behind synchronicity, but that things happen. You're brought together for different unknown reasons and stuff. So I thought our whole meeting and the fact that he had just gone vegan was very synchronous synchronous i don't know how to say synchronous whatever (laughs) um so yeah so then this is all still the first day he he's like asking us this in the car um and then we so he has a tesla he brings us back to his apartment and then we like immediately go out for a driving lesson because he was lending us his other car, which was a normal like Kia Soul and it was manual stick shift. And I have driven manual cars before, but like not with any kind of regularity where I felt like super comfortable to just take that on and and I had told him this in our in- initial interview because he mentioned that he was gonna let us use his car and I was like oh you know I'm not a hundred percent with driving manual I've, I've, I've had some familiarity but it's not like um super ingrained skill but he's like no worries I'll give you a driving lesson <laughs> so yeah we just go out to like a parking lot and this is February so there's still like some snow around and we just, yeah, we just practiced. He showed me how to do it. I even kind of drifted into a snowbank at one time. He didn't give a shit. And it was just really cool because, like, even though he obviously had, like, nice things like his Tesla and whatever, he was just very much, like, it doesn't matter. It's just a car. Like, if something happens, it's just a car as long as you're okay. I have insurance. And here in the U.S., um car insurance goes by the car and the primary driver and then you can have a uh, occasional driver like someone who doesn't live with you can drive the car and if something happens that person would be insured so uh, me driving it was totally fine uh never got into an accident so that was fine obviously like those things don't just happen and and this was also like we didn't hundred percent need the car so it was really nice of him to give us use of it because the condo that we were uh that his condo was literally right smack dab in the center of salt lake city so you definitely did not need a car salt lake city has a very good public transportation system for its size because they had the winter olympics here and they built that out uh, back in 2002, but it was still really nice to have because it made it easier to do grocery shopping, to go for hikes, you know, whatever. We still only used it maybe once a week, maybe every two weeks even, but it was still really nice to have. So yeah, I just, now, I, I mean, I'm super glad that I learned how to drive manual because then when we moved to Spain later, I could just rent a car, no problem, because renting an automatic car in Europe is crazy expensive. And actually, the house that 
after that one in Salt Lake City, she also had a truck and she was like, oh, well, I could leave it for you, but like it's manual and most people in the States don't drive manual. And I was like, I do. <laughs> so it's been such a useful skill and I'm really glad um, that that happened. <laughs> so this is all within like the first 24 hours of arriving in Salt Lake City. Was there anything else that happened that day, Farron? I feel like it's very ingrained into my memory. Yeah, I mean, he also then, after that, showed us around at the condo and showed us around the building and all the uh, amenities that came with the building. Which, uh, what amenities are those, Farron? Well, it had a pool, two hot tubs, a hot tub that was indoors and a hot tub that was on the roof, along with areas to barbecue, if you'd like. Um, there was a gym, and, uh, yeah, you had a, quite a bit of amenities there. Yeah, and it was a luxury condo building. Yes, yes, t technically it's a luxury condo building. I think, based on the, uh, garish style of it, maybe the 70s or 80s is when it was built. Not that the apartment looked like that, but the building itself. But, uh, there's some of the tallest buildings in, uh, downtown Salt Lake City. So I had a great view, and even from the condo itself had an incredible view, because, Salt Lake City is situated in a ancient lake bed, a prehistoric lake bed. So you have a, it's in a valley, but it's a very wide U-shaped kind of valley, but with like, think of a very, very wide, shallow U. And so you can see two huge mountain ranges, the Wasatch on one side, I forget the name of the other on the other side, and you just get this great view of the valley. It was just, mountains look like they're right there. They're so close. And you could see that on either side. So it was definitely quite the view initially stepping into that apartment because the whole side of it was glass, basically. It's one of those big window side uh, apartments. And right next to the window with it, the best view was Nimbly Wimbly's heating pad. Yeah, it was straight up like on the windowsill. He had, he had a heating pad there, which... So he could overlook his domain of the city and the heating pad could never be switched off because it was literally the switch that controlled that outlet had tape over it. So you could never accidentally switch it off and leave poor Nimbles in the cold. <laughs> yeah, this guy was, he was the prince. He was the prince of the castle here. <laughs> yeah, but... um yeah, we were just so blown away. We're like, there's a literal hot tub on the roof. That's absolutely ridiculous. I've just never even heard of such a thing. And you could just sit in, sit up there and look at the mountains. And it was incredible. And yeah, this whole experience, I mean, let me, let's just put it out there. That has, this is probably the most luxury house that we've ever been in. Like, that's not necessarily something, that's not something that we look for. You know, I know everyone, um, obviously that's super glamorous and super nice and we really appreciate those things, but for us, it more matters the connection and feel that we get with the home and pet owner. And Keith was just like a really great guy and he also was in a luxury apartment. So it was just this whole experience really cemented our... Um, it really set our standards high, for one, what we could expect from house-sitting and people that we would want to house it for, and then it made us be like, oh, wow, this is pretty damn awesome, so we want to continue. Yeah, 
I think I want to reiterate that point. The luxury stuff was the icing on the cake, but for the most part, what set the standard was Keith's attitude towards us and that he valued the service that we were offering in return. He wanted to show how appreciative he was and he was very generous with his time and his things in terms of making sure that we felt comfortable and at home. That was important to him. And he also kind of first posited the idea that to us that house sitters are important even if you didn't have a pet. He told us about how his apartment would have, uh, one time he came home and there there had been a some kind of pipe or main line had broken and boiling water was spilling into the apartment. And if he hadn't been there for days, it would have destroyed everything. So having people physically there to see if something like that would happen in a absence because you're on vacation or just traveling is extremely valuable. And just him showing that appreciation made us want to do our best and make him feel 100% confident in our abilities. And he also just he has a background in customer service. He said something along the lines of working customer service for 30 years. And we were complete newbies in terms of online house sitting, had no native reviews on the platform. And he was like, I think you guys are perfect. I trust my judge of character and read of people. And I think you guys are going to be great. So that also just gave us even more confidence that we um, are people that you can trust and can provide something confidently and be responsible and be trusted to be taking care of your home and pets. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, that kind of sets the stage a little bit. Let's share a little bit about the star of the show, Nimbles, the reason that brought us together in the first place, Nimbly Wimbly. I love Nimbly so much. Baron's literally rolling his eyes so hardcore right now because I think at a like monthly basis, I mention how, how much I love and miss Nimbly. And I just look at photos of him and he's so cute and he's so soft and he was so quirky. He had like, he was a rescue cat Technically, you weren't supposed to have cats in this luxury condo building, but, like, there's a woman who lived there who worked for, like, a rescue uh, shelter, and she kind of, like, um, stealthily adopted out cats to, like, a third of the building. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Nimbly had come from the shelter, and he had lost all of his teeth except two little snaggletooth fangs. So he had that like always hanging out of his mouth <laughs> and then he was just really soft I don't know why but he always loved to be around you who's a very social cat like he even mentioned to us like he loved to be the center of attention when he had parties like he would just sit in the middle of the table one time we went had gone hiking and I, I got really badly sunburnt and I even had like kind of like mild sunstroke like I had a fever and I was just like lying on the couch with a blanket over me and nimbly just came and like laid directly on top of me i think that was because you were better than the heating pad at that time <laughs> yeah that's true i didn't think about that but yeah so i love nimbly he just he would lie there i have so so many great pictures of him he'd just lie there like a seal with like his little or like a walrus actually with his like little like nub legs out Maybe I'll include a photo in the uh, show notes. <laughs> I didn't have very good camera back then, but he was just so cute. 
and but Varen had some had some issues with some of Nimbly's behaviors. Well, I liked Nimbly. <laughs> I liked Nimbly for the most part. There was a certain annoying things he did. One was yowling early in the morning for food as if he's never eaten in his entire life. You, he had this very characteristic yowl that eventually became a joke with our friends because, again, our Keith, the homeowner, insisted on us having guests. So we did have a couple friends visit and they described his yowl as a wah, wah, and he would do that right in front of the bedroom door you know, early in the morning and we're semi-morning people. Like we get up in the morning. We're not getting up at noon, but I don't necessarily, when I wake up, get up. I like to enjoy my mornings, but this cat couldn't enjoy his mornings without getting fed immediately. So like clockwork, he'd be yowling. And then also he took some of the stinkiest cat shits I've ever smelled. And after he would take the shit, he would it was it was like rocket propellant. He would just dash out of the litter box and it looked like he ran across walls. He was just so energized. And he could clear rooms. And we'll tell more of that story later. It wasn't just me who thought that. It was also some of our guests as well. But that aside, he was very sociable. He was super soft, like luxury level cat soft, super plushy, and um had a lot of personality, you know? He's a very for the most part a very low key cat. So, yeah, so that's at the stage. We kind of, you know, got everything set up. We were there. We were there for three months, so we kind of got into a little routine. I was doing freelance work at the time, and so I would do that. And Varen had just left his teaching job in New York, and he even picked up some teaching gigs in Salt Lake. Like, how did that happen? Well, I had been working in a after-school and substitute teaching program of some sort in New York City and Queens. So I would do after-school work, and then I'd also do substitute teachings, you know, when they needed it. And that's a very much on-call kind of basis. So that experience translated over to working for a charter school, a 20-minute walk away from the condo we were staying in and I just applied I got whatever paperwork they needed in order and they were you know because it's a charter school you don't need to have any kind of state certification to be a teacher there Um, they have their own process for that so they saw the experience they're like okay sure we'll let you know when we need you we'll try to let you know ahead of time but often it's the same day and I'm like not a problem I live close by so I ended up picking up two three days a week for quite a while, I would just go there. I would. It was easy. I'd go to work. It, I could walk. The uh, receptionist was very upfront. She was like, "Make sure to bring a book." You know, there was no pretense of looking like I'm working or having to do work plan. Often it was, often it was art classes, so the students were very self directed. They just kind of hang out, do their thing. I'd read, and a lot of times just talk with a lot of them, and that was a lot of fun. And yeah, it was definitely probably one of the best teaching gigs I've ever had. It was just so laid back. It was so low key. And yeah, we, Sam and I were doing that and just kind of figuring out if this is something that we can do house sitting long term, very often, or even potentially full time, we were considering what we would want to do with that kind of newfound freedom. Yeah, I just find I just find it so ridiculous that you just walked in 
to this school and basically applied and got a job. I just feel like, when does that happen? Well, two things. One, I didn't just ask to send him my resume. I showed up, I gave him my resume, and then I checked back in eventually. I don't know how often that happens anymore. This was four years ago now. But um, that's something I learned very early on. You just show up to places with your resume and say, here, I'm here to apply. It's much different than, you know, mailing it in or dropping it off. And then on top of that, you follow up. If you don't hear back from them, you come a week later. And a lot of times that leaves an impression. A lot of times that just makes that you more memorable. So, I mean, I've always kind of, I mean, even since I was like 16, that's how I got jobs. A lot of times I would show up with the resume that made sense for that kind of job I was applying for. And uh, I was just like, yeah, I'm looking for a job. And then I'd show up again a week later, usually. So I think here I showed up, I went Friday and then I showed up the next week. And um, the receptionist was very friendly. And yeah. That... And you said it was very like they play like 90s rock music over the intercom. Yeah, it was, again, if, for people who don't understand how the charter school system works, charter schools receive public funding, but they're run privately. As long as the students are able to pass certain like statewide tests they can handle curriculum they have a lot of freedom in the curriculum and what they teach so they tend to just be not always and not necessarily but in my experience because i've worked with a few charter schools now they tend to be a bit more open a bit more progressive with the uh program and yeah over the in between classes they would just play like 90s rock i think that was the theme at the time or maybe that's what they always did but it just had such a cool vibe the school had such a cool vibe and it was just really laid back and relaxed working there you know and you ended up like being more like because you weren't a full teacher there or whatever you you felt like I know you said you were able to kind of mentor some students in a way like they would ask you stuff that they might not have asked their teacher actual teachers and I know you like that kind of role right as opposed to like we're going to teach for the test. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a lot of uh, opinions about the education system and reform. And I believe very much a teacher should be very much... You teach people, but also by example. So there's this idea that you got to just teach students things by book. But often, I think it's more important to have discussions about the things they're curious about. Because then you, it's more consensual. You know they're interested in your answer as opposed to me walking in and being like, let me tell you how to live life. This is what's important. Instead, you it becomes more self-directed, encourages them to think more critically. And yeah, a lot of students were asking me things just in general because they look at me and they see me as young. And so not that much older than them, even though I was uh, at the time. But I didn't seem that way. And... Um, they, you know, I remember a student talking to me about renting his own place and what it's like to live on your own and all these kind of things. And so since it's an art class and maybe they're doing fine on their art project and they're not behind or anything, they had the time to do that. I talked with students about a lot of music that we all listen to. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it, the class was diverse as well. So yeah, they just felt comfortable. And I guess maybe that has to do with my manner a bit, I guess, that they felt comfortable asking me like, questions about post high school life and I was encouraging to some students I'm like not everyone has to go to college that maybe was what made sense at one point but some students expressed you know not wanting to do that or maybe just living having a gap year between high school and college and I'm like that's completely fair if that's what you want and you should you know 
spent, you shouldn't rush into things. So I was able to give, you know, honest answers to them about my experience with the education system and life after high school. Yeah. I feel like we could go on this topic for so long. I feel like we should have a, a, a different episode too on um, teaching because I want, I want to continue in this vein, but yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I know there's so much that we could talk about here mm-hmm. and I'm really interested, but anyway, to, to get back to nimbles, my favorite topic ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so all that's to say, we, we kind of developed our own little routine. Three months is not a terribly long amount of time, but it is enough to get into the routine of a place. I mean, when that's very slow travel, you know, <laughs> and we really explored Salt Lake City so much. We, I was like very in exploration mode. And so we would go on tons of hikes, day trips, just doing different things in the city, trying out different restaurants, different coffee shops. Not that there were many back then, but, um, yeah, just really exploring a new different city. I had never traveled much in the U.S. before me and Farron met, um, and yeah, our first trip together had been to New Mexico and Colorado, and then salt lake so it was very it was very interesting to explore a new place that i had no preconceived ideas about um yeah and i I know we're gonna do an entire episode just focused on salt lake like itself as a as a place so we won't necessarily get into it too much here but just to kind of share that our first house sitting experience was not to some place glamorous. I know a lot of people get into house sitting because they're enticed by glamorous look, the idea of house sitting in glamorous locations. But a lot of times when you're starting, you want to go for places where it's going to be less popular. So there's less competition, which certainly helped us. You know, I don't think we would have gotten very far if we just tried to start house sitting in New York we still find it incredibly difficult to uh, line up house sits in New York, and now we're super experienced. So that's just really something we always recommend, and we hope with like these kind of house sitting stories to show you all the different experiences that are open to you if you expand your horizons a little bit more. Couldn't agree more. I mean, Salt Lake City is not a place on most people's radars especially travel radars, but it's a very fun place. So we'll probably talk about it more in our other series of where we talk about places that are more off the beaten path. And uh, to kind of really sum up the vibe of Salt Lake City, it's a very, very liberal, left-leaning kind of uh, enclave in the middle of a very big red state. In general, conservatism here tends to be a little bit right of center, not like hard right of center. Of course, you're going to find uh, the more extreme ends wherever you go. So there's a lot of cooperation between uh, the left and right here, I feel and see compared to other states. And we've definitely seen that reflected in how the pandemic has been handled. And um, for the most part, people who want a city kind of lifestyle, but still have all that outdoor experience of exploring, 
like to come to Salt Lake because you have the city right there. You have all the, you know, things that come with living in the city, like the variety of restaurants and bars. And there's a very strong art community here, very supportive of each other. And then on top of that, you can just go skiing whenever you want. We're not really into skiing, but we love to go hiking. And we did a lot of, like Sam said, she was in exploration mode. So we did a lot of hiking and that was really, really fun. So it was just a cool place to be and experience things. And we think that this attitude that you got to just go to all the top 10 whatever places listed by whatever people and whatever tourism marketing is just you're missing you're actually missing out on more by limiting yourself to those options i hope more people start exploring lesser known places as travel opens up again after the pandemic because we don't want to go back to what is current what was happening before the pandemic which is like over tourism of like a select group of places and then other places could really use some tourism but don't get any so yeah anyway but that's that's why we're doing our alternative destination series to kind of highlight those places but um yeah so yeah utah is is when if people come to utah they mostly go to southern utah which is where there are five national parks and they're called the mighty five and there's been a massive tourism campaign, which actually now they, they've kind of regretted it because it's gotten to the point of over tourism. So it just, it just goes to show you that when tourism marketing, uh, organizations focus on tourism and bring people there, like sometimes it backfires, but it's, it's a very concerted effort. So it always just like pointing that out because these places didn't just become popular because they are the only places that you should ever go. A lot of times they they became popular because tourism boards worked to make them popular, you know? So this Mighty Five, the Mighty Five National Parks in Utah are absolutely an example of that. So the five parks are Zion, which is like the most popular, the most over-touristed. There's Zion, Bryce Canyon, Capitol Reef, Arches, and Canyonlands. And they're all like in southern Utah, and what, which is like a five, five to six, depending on where you're going, hour drive from Salt Lake. So complete opposite end of the state. It's not like that was something we were going to do for a day trip. But Keith was very much like, oh my gosh, you have to go to the national parks. It's like my, I've traveled all over the world and like Utah is one of my favorite places. The landscapes are incredible. You can't leave Utah without seeing Southern Utah. They're, they call it Red Rock Desert because of these big red rocks and it's a desert. <laughs> so he was like, you must go. We were thinking, well, wait, how do we have to take care of a cat? But he was so insistent on us going and he's like oh you can take nimbly he loves road trips just take him he's like i'll show you the whole process of how you're going to smuggle him out of the building yeah like we i mentioned cats are not allowed we're not strictly allowed in the condo building so he showed us the whole process of how to get nimbly out of the building (laughs) and it involved so the they, in the parking garage, like underneath the building, there was shopping carts there that you could use to like load up whatever from your car and bring it up the elevator to your apartment. So we brought up one of these shopping carts. We would um, we put Nimbly's carrier in 
the shopping cart. We <laughs> we put him in the carrier. We put a little can of we opened a little can of cat food and put them that in his carrier so he would not do his customary yowling for food. So we placated him with some food in his carrier in the shopping cart and then we piled pillows and blankets on top of his carrier so that it would be hidden to any cameras or anyone that would come into the elevator. <laughs> so you could just imagine just like this experience was so ridiculous and we love telling the story. So yeah, we, on the day of, of departure for our little, so we booked a pet friendly motel uh, we decided to go to Moab, which is like a little town that's kind of like the gateway to Arches and Canyonlands are in the same area. So we booked a pet-friendly motel. We smuggled nimbly out, just in the elevator, hoping that no one came in, hoping that he wouldn't yowl. <laughs> and then we got him in the car, and I was driving... So, I think you were in the back with Nimbly, right? Yeah, I was in the back. I was in the back with Nimbly, and I remember um, letting him out of the carrier. He seemed like he wanted to get out. He kind of, like, poked around for a minute, looked out the window, kind of like, oh, huh, we must be going on a road trip. Promptly barfed in the portable litter. So this, considerate. Yeah, barfed into this little litter box that's this, like, quick, disposable, you know, it's meant for travel. Barfed. And then promptly went to sleep on my lap. So this is a time that I loved nimbly. And this was also, uh, not only was it just us on a road trip, we also had a guest with us. Yeah, our friend Greg, who is one of our favorite people to travel with. He's he's super fun. He's like one of those people that everything is like, he's, a, he's like a little kid and that everything is so interesting. And um, he has a lot, a lot of energy in that way. And so he became fast friends with Nimbly, even though he is allergic to cats. Mildly allergic. Yeah. Like they can't, he can't really bring them to his face. And if he touches them, he can't really touch his face afterwards. But it's not like he, he's mildly allergic. So if he touches it, he can't touch his face. He can't really have the cat near his face, but he can be in the same room with the animal, you know, and he still likes cats. He just has to do that extra you know, precaution. But I also don't think he necessarily gets like a big reaction. I think he just kind of gets a little stuffy nose. Um, yeah, but he loves cats and he's well aware that there's a cat. And so he went on, we, um, well, we, we need to say that him and Nimbly had a special relationship. Yeah. Tell, tell us about well, their special relationship. Nimbly and Greg bonded from day one. And we knew that because Greg sent us a selfie one morning of him, you know, laying on the bed. This is just from him across from us in the other room. But right behind him was Nimbly, just sitting there, staring at him. And that was, uh, that would lead up to more of their interactions when we traveled later. Because when we went to the, uh, when we went to the pet-friendly motel, set up all our things, we decided, all right, we're going to go out for today, do our trip or whatever. But when we came back, nimbly sitting exactly on the pillow that greg was going to be using like he had two full-size beds there's two full-size beds in this motel room 
and he had all this room to choose from, and he chose Greg's pillow. Yeah, like as if he knew that that was where Greg's face couldn't be in order to avoid, you know, triggering his allergies. But even more so, they shared another special moment of bonding where uh, Greg decides he's going to go to the bathroom. And as he's going to the bathroom, <laughs> Nimbly's following right behind him. Because we had put the litter box under the sink in the bathroom. So right as Greg closes the door and starts to use the bathroom, he's like, holy shit, Nimbly's taking a shit with me. <laughs> and at some point, Greg bursts out of the bathroom like, oh my god, yo, this cat shit stinks. Nimbly, as he opens the door, nimbly bursts out as well, running across the walls. We immediately had to open up all these windows because this cat just took these stinkiest shits. If I haven't said it enough, I'll say it again. It was, oh, he could clear out a room. Well, he did. We left. We immediately left after we were just like, all right, nimbly, here's your stuff. We're out of here. <laughs> yeah. So we went, we went to dinner or something, but yeah, that was just hilarious. But it was it was great because Archons and Canyonlands were awesome. The national parks in the U.S. is definitely are definitely amazing places, and those were two great parks. We had a great time. I I wrote an article all about like Arches or Canyonlands, like which is better depending on your priorities and needs and stuff. So I'll link that in the show notes. But just it was beautiful. It was so much fun. Yeah, we went in April, which is, I think, an ideal time because, as you can imagine, the desert gets really hot. So it was really hot even in April, but it was, like, bearable. Whereas, like, we always, we were seeing, like, signs, just caution, like, bring tons of water, shade, sunscreen, all of that. And we were fine in April. So, yeah, it was just really awesome. Memorable experience, obviously. I mean... Who takes a cat on a road trip? And again, this was at his owner's insistence. Like, that's never happened since. I don't think it ever will happen <laughs> with anyone else. It's not something we expect or anything like that. But it obviously was really great and something that we love to reminisce upon, if you couldn't tell by how much we're enjoying having this conversation. So... Yeah, that kind of was like the pinnacle of our our experience in Utah. And it was just, like we already said, it was just such a unique house and experience in absolutely so many ways that have not repeated themselves since. And again, we're not expecting those things, but they're certainly fun when they happen. So... I mean, it, it's such a memorable house sit and also what kind of adds to the notoriety or the infamy of the experience is that we had a couple guests. So one of them was Greg, but then also our other friend Ivy. And she loved being around Nimbles because he was just so soft and plushy. And one of her favorite things to say was that she could just hold him and squeeze him. There was nothing he could do because he didn't have any teeth or claws. So not only do we have this great memory to, to share between us, but also a couple of friends. And it's just very much a symbolic period for us because it really jump-started everything in the direction that we were headed, which is, and it's also where we started the website and the blog. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so to bring things back full circle, I mean, we already mentioned at the beginning of the episode that we're in Salt Lake City 
And I know we mentioned it in other episodes, but yeah, so we are, the last house set that we did was for Keith again here in Salt Lake City, different house. He had moved out of the condo to a different neighborhood and sadly Nimbly passed away. So RIP Nimbly, this episode is dedicated to Nimble Wimbles in memoriam. He will live on forever. I was so devastated to hear that because I had always, like, in my mind that we would come back and house it for Nimbly again. So, yeah, I was really sad about that. I mean, that's that's one of the hardest things about house sitting is that, especially because we prior, we do long-term house sits, so we really get to become close with the animals and it's really hard to say goodbye um, and, but, but Nimbles was some, a cat that I always thought we were going to come back to. So RIP, but yeah, anyway, he had a great life while he had it. I mean, and now we're back in Salt Lake city. I think it's very, um, appropriate, symbolic, whatever you want to call it, that we ended up back here. We started our podcast here, just like we started our blog here. So Salt Lake City is definitely a special place for us. Now we're coming, we're in our fifth month here this time around because we ended up having to extend our stay because all our houses were canceled. But yeah, so I mean, total, we've spent around eight and a half months here. So that's no short period of time for sure. I mean, originally, yeah, at the first house that we lined up another month one after that. So it's already looking like we're going to be spending close to a year in yeah, total. Yeah, it's like nine and a half months. That's true, yeah. And it's a, again, we'll go about it more in another episode, but it's it's definitely one of our favorite cities to visit. You know, there there's certain things we don't like, like the crazy drivers, but it is very pedestrian able. I don't want to say pedestrian friendly because of, the, because of the drivers. But for example, where we're living right now, we don't have a car and it's been perfectly fine. And normally we would rely on some mass transit because of the pandemic. We're not feeling 100% safe doing that. But otherwise, we, everything we've been talking about, even in the first house that we mostly did by walking. So it's a one of a, it's a big, big plus for us. If we can house it somewhere that's very, very walkable. And there's just a lot of great, cool things going on here. And uh, in a lot of ways, we're very lucky and fortunate to be here right when this uh, pandemic happened. But again, yeah, it's it's the birthplace of our blog and now the podcast as well. Yeah. Thanks, SLC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so with that, I think that about wraps it up. Hope you enjoyed this, this first installment of our House Sitting Stories episode. If you enjoyed this kind of format definitely let us know and we'll be sure to be putting out we have a lot more stories for you guys so stay tuned for those and yeah i hope that you are doing well no matter where you are as things start to brighten up a little bit in the world thank you for listening to the alternative travelers podcast for more episodes and show notes, go to alternativetravelers.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes. This helps more people find the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm.